welcome to the Just For Us podcast brought to you by Bleakly, the best place for discussions on entertainment news that matters to you. Welcome to our inaugural podcast <laughs> <laughs> with your hosts, Victor, uh, Chris, Megan, Delana, Trisha. We are all here for you. <laughs> <laughs> so we can probably start off with Chris, the founder of Bleakly. Okay. We're going to go with our mission statement and why we've made this podcast for sure it's like i'm still getting used to referring to myself as the founder of anything so this is <laughs> exciting um but yeah so the reasoning behind bleakly was i kind of noticed that there was a pretty significant hole in terms of the way that entertainment news is covered uh i think it's it's often done just for a very general audience and so there are certain areas where they do try to hit more underserved communities but i still think that it's an area that's severely lacking and so i decided to create this um to serve that audience and also to do it from the point of view of like i think that there are a lot of film and tv snobs who are in those communities who would like to know like not just about whatever popular movies coming out but also even the more obscure stuff so it was really just to cover all that like really holistically um for those audiences and so I'd say the major inspiration behind doing it was uh, the film Moonlight, because watching that was the first time that I saw my specific generation, and I think that just overall generation of millennials, to see that uh, story told on the big screen um, from the perspective of you know the black community, and especially dealing with like a lot of hard questions that you ask yourself as a teenager as far as like your identity, especially your sexual identity, and seeing that depicted on screen, that like brought me to tears and. That was sort of what sparked this entire thing and realizing that like there's an audience here that needs to be spoken to that's not spoken to often enough. And then what really hammered it home was when Green Book <laughs> won Best Picture, <laughs> which is just like maybe one of the biggest slaps in the face. And what it showed me is that despite how far we might have thought that we've come, there's still a very severe misunderstanding about how to properly create stories for minorities, for the LGBTQ community, um, and for women, just across the board. Um, that there needs there needs to be more people from those communities actually speaking up on it. Um, so that was how this all started. Nice. Perfect. I think just for the satisfaction of how many times we've had this conversation, we need to dig a little bit deeper into all things Moonlight and Green Book for like two <laughs> seconds. <Yeah. laughs> because first of all, as many of you in the room have heard me say, um, La La Land is white supremacy <laughs> and premium trash. And I'm still resentful that that whole Oscar snafu happened so that Moonlight has to be talked about like with that always tagged to it, which is even more of a reflection of white supremacy because like, I just hate so much. And I'm perpetuating <laughs> it by bringing them both up in the same context. <laughs> I recognize that, I apologize for that. But yeah, that was a life-changing movie for me. You know, as a queer woman, you know, obviously that, that side of it, like, it's such a diverse community and a lot of the queer stories out there like just do not talk about like the way that it addressed masculinity and like the repression around that in the black community it was the most beautiful one of the most beautiful movies i've ever seen in my entire life so to like have that be anywhere in the same conversation as this shitty of a movie <laughs> as Holland, makes me yeah so angry to my core so that is you know i think this podcast also is like I just need a place to be able to talk about this because I'm tiring everyone in my life yeah. <laughs> talking about it constantly. Next week we'll shit on yeah, yeah. Yeah. La La Land some more. <laughs> Literally, like, I just need to get it out in the first one so that I stop talking about it <laughs> because I we all just need to, like, move on with our lives. But, yeah. Now it's out there. Yeah, it's out there. <laughs> moved on. But, yeah, so then seeing Green Book, it just felt like, wow, how are we still this far behind? Mm -hmm. Like, seeing yeah. this movie told from a white perspective, like, written by white guys, like... Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's a definitely a continuation of the La La Land thing, of, right. like, of white people wanting to talk about black culture but mm -hmm. not involving black people. <laughs> yeah. And so... And then with both of them, like, involving jazz. Like, yeah. There's yeah. so many, like, parallels that you can really, like, draw. Um, I didn't see the movie for a reason. I did not want to see it <laughs> yeah. based on how they were advertising it so well. Like they wore it, it, you know, it was about the white story, and 
I'm not there for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Same with yeah. Alona. I was just not there for it. I didn't bother seeing it. It's uh, mm-hmm. no. But you were still like pushing it as like, oh, it's you know, it's the story about like a black man like in the South and the struggle. But it's like it's not a, it's not about. Yeah. I mean, I think just the acceptance speech to really painted the picture mm-hmm. for me overall is like mm-hmm. just one looking at the people on stage there's like I think literally two black people on stage yeah. who are like really off to the side but when like Peter Farrelly's talking about the whole thing and like he's just on his knees praising Vigo right mm-hmm. for everything and then is like oh and Mahershala mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like and that's the story of this film is like the black viewpoint is very much a sideline sort mm-hmm. of thing and it's a thing that oh like we have you here because you have to be here right. yeah. but did anyone here actually see the movie? No. I, I saw it. I saw it. And it was one of the most painful experiences. And I say that, like, honestly. Like, there's a moment in the film where, uh, I'm sure it's in the trailers, where, like, he doesn't want to eat the fried chicken, Mahershala Ali's character. Mm-hmm. And then Viggo's like, oh, but your people love this. And it's like, all right, where are you going with this? Yeah. Where are we heading? And, mm-hmm. you know, Mahershala starts to launch into this speech about, like, why you can't just assume that just because a certain person's from a community, they'll mm-hmm. like a certain thing. Mm-hmm. But before he can finish it, Viggo literally shoves the chicken in his face and it's just like, eat the chicken. <laughs> and then Mahershala eats the chicken and then that's it. It's just like, oh, he's like, oh, I like chicken. And it's everyone laughs. But for me, it's just like, you just silenced a black person with racism mm-hmm. and then played it off for like laughs. And then the whole theater was like dying. And I'm just sitting there and it's like, this, this is horrible. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's just insulting. It's just even the title itself and that, you know, calling it the Green Book, which is like, you know, the safe places where, you know, you could go to the South as an African-American when you're traveling down there, but then not using any of that. Like, there's like a one small mention of the Green Book and then having your entire movie be called that, but having nothing to actually do with it. And it was so disappointing to see all the press around it after the fact where Peter Fairley is just like throwing Octavia Spencer under the bus Mm -hmm. of being, because she was a producer on it and just using her as like, well, I tried, I cleared it with this one person from the community and got sign off. Mm -hmm. And so therefore it's not my fault. I, I, my ignorance is completely absolved because I talked to one One person (laughs) and you know, also taking away uh, completely any context around power dynamics you know she's not speaking that also he's this like you know experienced person in the community Uh, just that those conversations like how where would she have felt safe to like necessarily call that out either like we don't know that for sure so for him to be like well i cleared it with one person of color and they said it was fine Mm -hmm. but it's the same thing of like when um with the whole Dr. Strange thing, Tilda Swinton like reached out to Margaret Cho to ask if it was okay that she was whitewashing <laughs> yeah, a character, yeah. and she's like, "I don't speak to for, to everybody." Also, you're just looking for me to give you permission to exactly. do this. Yeah, and that's it, one of the issues with like that happens so much where it's like, "Oh, well, we have like one person of color on our staff. Like, we'll just have them as like our mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. green light button. Like, is this okay? Like, can we do this?" But it's like. Especially if it's, like, one person of color in, like, a room with just all white people. Like, how comfortable are you actually, like, expressing <laughs> that, like, or telling them, like, oh, your script is really bad or, like, this is super offensive. And that's why, like, the importance of, like, at a university to, like, you know, the overall cast, overall writing career, producers. It's not just one person. Like, you need more opinions. You need more views. It's not just, like, one person of color is going to speak for everyone. Yeah. And that is an incredibly unfair amount of pressure mm-hmm. to put to have to speak up and right. do all of those yeah. things. It's like you put one black woman in a room full of old white people and tell her to be the <laughs> spokesman for an entire community. Exactly. Like, that's a lot of pressure, <laughs> understandably. <laughs> and a lot of pressure to uh, for her to have to be vulnerable or vulnerable or, or brave enough to no idea how those people react to those things. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's it's not it's a completely unrealistic and unfair and diluted way of yeah. thinking that you're approaching a topic appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. definitely like it's just I have a black friend in the movie. That's yeah. essentially what it <laughs> yeah. is. It's like yeah. all it reminded me of all those people in college who like would say the N-word to me. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. justify it with, well my black friend says it's fine. It's like I have a black friend. I'm not a racist. Like, I'm not your black friend, okay. so I you know <laughs> <laughs> that's unacceptable. It also blows my mind too because it was, you know, the main point of the project was the son wrote about his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's to me, as someone who had a problematic white father, his story doesn't need to be told. Yeah. Right. Nobody needs his story in the world. Right. Loved him to death. You know, he was my father, but 
yeah. I, I, you have to grow and recognize that his perspective on the world is not one that we need now, mm-hmm. didn't need then, and our job is to t- unpack that and yeah. grow from that. Yeah. Like, I don't really give a shit about how heroic you think your dad is. No. Like, don't we all? Right. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, great. That's but, a fair point. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, that's it's his version of the story. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That, again, like, had no input from the actual family. Right. You know, so it's... it's right, because it, wasn't it after the movie came out, his family was like, no, we're not okay with this story? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, They're like, yeah, they weren't actually friends. <laughs> yeah. They had to wait for him to, like, pass away to, like, be able to make it because yeah. he didn't want it made. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And not to just tell you how, like, you should not just make, you should not yeah, make this. Yeah, like, the, movie. the person that you're going to be including who's, like, you know, main character, but not their story, if they don't want the story told, just drop it. Like, yeah. Just leave it. Move on to something else. This is not your project to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The entitlement is just my boy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but speaking of Green Book... Uh, <laughs> Trevor Noah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Spicy King are out. Trevor Noah's Don't Green Book This One. Thoughts? I'm obsessed with it. I Okay, I was never much of a Daily Show person, and so I'm interested in people's opinions of Trevor Noah because I think that he's great, but I also don't watch The Daily Show, and I don't think it's as popular as it was with Jon Stewart. Right. And that transition is interesting, and I just feel... I don't know. I don't know if it's something that... Like, I wish it was doing better, but also at the same time, it's not a show that I've watched. So. <laughs> I think as someone who watched it, like, I love Trevor Noah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, compared to, like, Jon Stewart, like, I don't think his reach is as wide, but I think he has a big audience. Um, millennials, a lot of, like, millennials of color, mm-hmm. because I think he, he speaks to those, uh, to those people, especially mm-hmm. him not being American, like, mm-hmm. coming yeah. from, like, you know, an outsider's point mm-hmm. of view, talking about American politics. Yeah. It's so... It's just, like, very honest and very, like, refreshing Mm -hmm. because it's, like, he knows the system, but, like, he also knows how things could be, like, how things Mm -hmm. are somewhere else. And, like, using that as comparison, I feel like, is is why I like him. And he he does a very good job with, like, speaking, conveying his thoughts and his opinions in a very clear and concise way. Like, he's not, he doesn't push things on you, but, you know, he sheds light on a lot of shitty things that are yeah. are going on. I feel it's just ever since he, he took over, he's been a bit like less hard-hitting mm-hmm. than John Stewart was, because even just going to John Stewart address Congress was two two or three days ago about the 9-11, how they first still responders. haven't, yeah, first responders mm-hmm. still haven't, they haven't gotten any right. of their yeah. money or anything, a whole bunch of people have like died since he first started talking mm-hmm. to them and working with them. So just like him basically attacking the Congress people who just like didn't even bother to show up to the hearing right and like just like him crying there just there's so much like more raw emotion there that he's willing to he's willing to go to a, a place where it's like you know I'm putting myself here mm-hmm. on the line and I'm like this is this is what's right and what you're doing is very very wrong yeah so but he has a lot of leverage to be able to he does, do that yeah. that's what in his yeah. position yeah. right yeah, yeah. But I think it's, you know, having, because Trevor Noah's young, like, he, I think he's mobilizing people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same way as a lot of people, like Ariana Grande, for example, she has, you can register to vote at her concerts. Like, they're trying to get the younger people to, you know, get registered, have the information that they (laughs) need that's out there. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's a, I think it's a very, it's a shift in how, like, political comedy, I guess, is being told to us because it's not you know just an old white guy which is what I find refreshing and I I enjoy his show and his correspondence they're all great (laughs) I think it's a testament to that show too of um just how we as millennials are consuming like most of the mm-hmm. things I love Trevor Noah and the reason why he's still relevant to me even though I don't watch the daily show is because of the clips that get posted mm-hmm. and I watch yeah. them on social yeah. so can we still sustain the format of his show if that's the way we're all consuming it mm-hmm. which is yeah. an interesting kind of transition that we're in right now I do I, I was thinking about that too where it's like I feel like this might be a sort of key and peel thing where it's mm-hmm. like you'll last for a while mm-hmm. and people will love it but no one's sitting down to actually watch it on TV mm-hmm. everyone's just consuming yeah. it on Instagram or YouTube yeah. or wherever. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know the exact ratings for the Daily Show, mm-hmm. but I definitely think that John Stewart's era was more reflective of like you go home and you turn the TV on and you sit there. Absolutely, as yeah. opposed to like mm-hmm. I'm on the go just yeah. watching yeah. clips and yeah. you know. Like it affected yeah. late late night entirely. Like mm-hmm. that entire format just doesn't 
really work anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all it's always the clips that end up on on YouTube. I mean, Conan Conan O'Brien changed his show entirely, so this is like a little yeah. smaller thing. Yeah. So it's designed to just have those yeah. clips that yeah. go up onto his YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. two minute feed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little memes. They're just more digestible bites of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with John Oliver with his last week tonight. It's like the majority of the episode he puts onto YouTube, mm-hmm. like the little deep dive that he does every week, like that clip is just put up onto YouTube. Yeah. And also with Colbert, when he started moving into that purely political spectrum, it's like the clips and everything. It's just how they get people talking. Mm-hmm. No one watches the whole program anymore. Right. I want to talk about the Alvin Ailey, Barry Jenkins movie. It was yes. announced a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I could not be more excited about a movie. <laughs> I share that excitement with you. Um, I think, I'm interested in your perspective too, Chris, because you're a dancer. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, Alvin, Alvin, you are a very good dancer, so I feel like that'd be something you were I was typed as I was like writing it. It took, I kept like spelling things wrong because I'm just like banging on the keyboard. I was so excited to get that out there because like that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, like Alvin Ailey was such a major influence on me as just like when I first started dancing at like eight years old, mm-hmm. you know, it's like people talk about like, this is like weird to bring up. People talk about like Michael Jackson being a huge inspiration right, for yeah. them as like dancers or yeah. whoever else, like even like older, like Donald O'Connor, stuff like that, mm-hmm. the, the, who I love, but Alvin Ailey was like the big one for me. And like, yeah. I think in the black community overall is mm-hmm. like one of the people that constantly gets referenced. I mean, he like revolutionized modern dance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm yeah. surprised that like, if this ha- hasn't happened sooner, like there isn't really anything out there like I, people know the name and you know they know the company but like they don't really know the story or like why it's so significant mm-hmm. and I'm surprised that it took this long for something like this to happen I'm just thinking back like, I'm just thinking of like the Fox or sorry F- FX uh, Bob Fosse show oh, yeah. that just came Fosse out like Bird. you know everyone knows about Fosse but like there are other people in that in that same like the dance community people of color who have made a difference and like whose stories should be told so I'm very excited for this also, I think the his story is really, like, the uh, community outreach aspect of it is really, like, there's not a lot of awareness around that. I'm just thinking of the, that Queer Eye episode mm-hmm. with Jess, and they're in Kansas, yeah. right? Is that where they were? Kentucky? So. Uh, <laughs> somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to, she was this, you know, woman who just felt very alienated and disconnected from all of the communities mm-hmm. that she is a part of, and she went to, they took her to an Alvin Ailey studio with a community dance company that they had running there. That was a very powerful moment to see and have see her be connected to her black roots mm-hmm. that had never, you know, she was never able to explore or felt out an outsider from. It's so powerful that it's in all of these other smaller, mm-hmm. more rural communities. Mm-hmm. People think of like the large dance company, right. but like mm-hmm. it's having such an impact on a local scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope the movie does well. I hope it has a really good reach mm-hmm. because, you know, you think of dance and you think of like, you know, the black community, like you don't, you don't think of modern mm-hmm. dance. <laughs> You know, but there are so many, there are so many studios um, in those communities in like the inner cities that like have been influenced by Alvin Ailey and like the Absolutely. company, the, the outreach, like it, it is a really big part of the community and of the culture that like people just don't know about. So I, I really hope it just, it reaches a lot of people and like just raises the awareness with like modern dance and you know, different types of dance that like, you know, everyone's involved with, like it's not just it's not just hip hop. Like there is, mm-hmm. there's so much more <laughs> yeah. to everyone. It's also, it'll just be nice to see like another black story that's not like a slave story. Cause I'm personally like, I can't deal with that anymore. Yeah. I've seen yeah. it. I know, we all know how slavery went. Yeah. I've had like, we're, <laughs> we're yeah, we're all aware. <laughs> so I think it's just seeing more stories that are like less about that mm-hmm. or like adjacent to that yeah. I, it's just it, that's gotten tiring for me and I think for a lot of other people of color yeah. to just constantly be pumped with like that hit with that image over and over yeah. so yeah. to see like what this this community has to offer to in, in another area mm-hmm. you know like yeah there, there's definitely the political aspect of it but it has such a major influence on art yeah. that I don't think is like covered enough um, so I'm excited yeah. for that yeah 
And I guess I transitioned well into the Daria spinoff with Tracy Ellis Ross. Speaking of like black stories and like not being stereotypical. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that one. Yeah. Daria was a very important show to me when I was younger. <laughs> Same. As a, you know, weirdo goth kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. We all went uh-huh. that phase. <laughs> Some of us don't leave that phase. <laughs> I think uh, I it was so interesting because Jody is a character, although at the same time, like sort of like she was still like the token character, which is rough. But at the same time, it was she was so multi-dimensional um, that that sadly, even in what was it like in late nineties, mm-hmm. was still really not kind of explored. Mm-hmm. And it was it was so nice to get to see like this you know, very. Um, different side of a tokenized character, mm-hmm. though, although still tokenized, yeah. so yeah. not yeah. perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm excited to see. Uh, and she had like so many monologues in that show that addressed that, that ha- like brought attention to that. So I, yeah, it's it's a hairy thing when you're looking back at the reflecting back on those shows that you loved when you were younger and like having so much more social awareness mm-hmm. as an adult. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's one of the. F- view that I think can still hold up and like mm-hmm. still have some oh, yeah. impact so to see like get explored even further mm-hmm. especially with someone like Tracy Ellis Ross yeah. yeah it's like I, I think that is the reason to do it is because it's like this is a character that while it was bef- like beyond like definitely ahead of its time but mm-hmm. still suffering from a lot of the pitfalls that we mm-hmm. saw of that era and totally. so it's yeah. like you can take that and then build on it and mm-hmm. you know kind of I don't want to say revise history, but you can change the narrative around it. Yeah, you sure. know, and like it doesn't have to have that asterisk next to it. Right. As mm-hmm. like conversations progress, so I think mm-hmm. it's an exciting kind of prospect. That's yeah. That made me think of. Um, I was thinking of like high school or middle school and shows. <laughs> Ten fifteen on Hulu. Great show. Love Excited it. for it to come back. That show did a great job too of addressing like the subtle racism mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm you know, what's going on, like, what the group of girls, and they made her, like, be the, you know, she was so clearly the other in that group of girls, Mm -hmm. and... Scary uh, Spice. Right. I feel like every, every, (laughs) every young girl of color has a Scary Spice story. I, of course, was always Scary Spice, and then I eventually was just, like, I mean, sure, but I wanted to be baby. Of course I wanted to be baby. But I was like, it's not gonna happen. Like, I'm not blonde. Yeah. Every, could be blonde. I could. I mean, yeah, sure, now I'd do it, but <laughs> I lived that, that so hard because I was like, I was always Scary Spice. Wait, okay, there are five of us. Mm-hmm. Which Spice Girl are we? I was always coined the Ginger. Okay. Um, I was thinking Ginger for yeah, you. Yeah, um, because she was a little more out there. <laughs> I mean, I'll take Scary. I, I, I love Scary, and it was one of the things that like I realized as a black male that I was like not cognizant of it all right yeah. that for me it was like oh but scary is awesome yeah. but it's like i don't i have no clue what it's like to have been a, a young girl and like everyone just says like yeah. no you're black yeah. so you're asian you're scary <laughs> that sucks however <laughs> given the choice yes i will choose scary she is still you know <laughs> she's still great so when you're like great. Forced to just yeah. Be scary. Yeah. you shouldn't be forced into that i mean i think i you know I'm kind of the, the sporty spice. <laughs> she was definitely the gay one. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I also got labeled the sporty spice a lot and was like, I don't know why I keep getting this. Why does everyone just assume I'm sporty spice? And I was like, well, yeah, I came out. Yeah, we realized. <laughs> Does that make Victor posh? I, I think works for you. I think Posh does work for you. Yeah. I didn't have much Spice Girls conversations when I was growing up. <laughs> my, my musical knowledge until I was like in high school or whatever just revolved completely around classical music, and that was it. Posh Spice. There that's we go. I guess that's it. I, d- I didn't even know. You would always ask Posh Spice. Well, okay, so that was a really important um, thing that we need to distinguish now that we all have our Spice Girl identities. (laughs) Now on tour. (laughs) I haven't gotten a chance to watch um, When They See Us yet. I've been busy this week, but I'm also very excited about that as a huge Ava DuVernay fan. Has anyone gotten a chance to, like, get through the series? That's a tough one for me. Yeah. I, like, want to watch it, Mm -hmm. but the prospect of, like, having to 
look at all that yeah, again. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, I'm familiar with the story, yeah. but it's like very triggering for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've noticed that, like, I thought I was kind of like alone and weird in that. And I've seen it be like a very like oh. prominent feeling for like a lot of people of like, it's it's a hard thing to want to see again. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's, and I think it's okay to not be emotionally ready to, to see that because they Absolutely. what they went through is like yeah pretty unspeakable yeah. so that's, i think that's exactly how i feel because i really want to watch it every time i like turn on netflix i'm like it's there but i'm just i'm not ready like yeah. i'm just i feel like i just can't i can't take that on right now like just watching all the spots like the trailer like makes me so emotional like mm-hmm. i i know what i'm in for um and it, like it's heartbreaking knowing yeah. the story and just like yeah. it because it goes so deep into all the boys and like their families like it's going to be really tough to watch Mm -hmm. um i will eventually (laughs) i just have to like prepare myself yeah i I need like a like a cleanse and (laughs) just ready myself for what's to come turn the stage yeah (laughs) what's like wild to me is how like everyone has heard of this story like it was a big case but how it's not until the show came out like people are actually being held accountable for what mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. I guess there were no like things didn't go viral. Yeah. Back when it was all going down and you know yeah. when it was I guess resolved quote unquote. Right. So whereas now it's like it's the show has just been the most watched show mm-hmm. every day since its premiere. Yeah. So when you have that and like it's just a constant conversation and it's everywhere. Yeah. You know it's not like before where it's like you turn off your TV and you leave the house and then that's done. It's like no, and I, like you're getting the alerts on your phone. Like mm-hmm. everyone is talking about it on every possible platform. You just can't escape it. Plus, you know, you got a lot of young people who are once again like mobilized again. Mm-hmm. Like we, I think there was like kind of like that sort of getting out there and like actually speaking up sort of died down. I I want to yeah. say during like the Obama presidency where mm-hmm. we kind of all felt like we were post racial and mm-hmm. like moving on. And now obviously we have not. <laughs> yeah. And people are like once again like no like you have to shout and you have to yell. And, yeah. Yeah, once you have people, like, talking about it and protesting, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, it kind of lights the fire under your ass. I'm, I'm halfway through. Like, I'll finish it this weekend, so. But it is very, it's a very difficult watch, but also the way Ava DuVernay does all the stuff where it's just them talking. It's, like, it's the it's the prosecutors. It's, yeah. it's like, Trump talking. It's, like, it's not, it's not like, editorialized to, right. like, you know, show a specific side. It's literally, this is what they said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, honestly... As as a white person, as a white woman, <laughs> this is required viewing for me. Like, I am the target audience, you know. Like mm-hmm. the black community has lived it; they know it. It's you know, it's 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 important to have them be represented and have their stories be told. But I am the person who should be watching that. People in my family are the ones who are like actually going to grow and learn from watching mm-hmm. it. So I, I just want to advocate for like a required white viewing. <laughs> <list>. <laughs> I think we should keep a running track of, yeah. like, these are recommendations for white people to yeah. diversify their perspectives, <laughs> and this is something that you need to do. I'm yeah. not a person who gets in, like, Facebook fights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. I do not participate. I'm very okay. passive. <laughs> but there was, like, a random person that I went, like, went to college once who, like, posted about some some annoying thing about, um, you know, why, why is everything woke now? Like, where, what's, where did the word woke come from? And I was just like, you need to diversify your outlet. There is a very long history of why this, as a piece of language, became into the forefront. Uh, like, that started in the black community, and you, as a white person, now becoming aware of it is because it's now being appropriated and explored and taken out of context. So I like yeah. posted an article from, I think, um, the Roots, <laughs> like, the root. and like, was, like you, like you clearly do not consume diverse media. Like here, read this article from the Root about the history of woke, yeah. Yeah. and then a bunch of old white people yeah. attacked me. <laughs> I mean, like, all right, that was like one thing. That I was like, this is so ignorant. Like you are so ignorant to think that this has no historical, um, you know, context or bias mm-hmm. being said. And it's like it's because it's not your history it's just exactly. how could it possibly mm-hmm. yeah but that's what i'm saying like you need to be listening to other people and make yourself you, aware where are you getting your news where are you what are you watching mm-hmm. that this is that you're that oblivious to what else is out there so yeah. i'll keep a running track yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll keep a track for any white listeners these are things you are required to watch i will be watching when they see us this week <laughs> join me in doing that yes so NBCU announced that they are 
investing in a production studio in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is very interesting to me. I, there's a lot that happens in Albuquerque. It's a it's a hot spot for um, for production. But it just seems like this is in response to what's going on in Georgia and all the studios kind of pledging to pull out if the, the abortion bill passes or goes through. So I'm just curious to see what happens when it comes to studios and production. Like, is everything, like, is New Mexico going to be the new hotspot? Or are they just going to find new homes, like, all over the country? But what worries me or kind of makes me sad is, like, thinking of Georgia and of all the people who mm-hmm. work in the industry, like it's it's a huge, huge employment opportunity for everyone in Georgia and like Atlanta. But like, what's going to happen to all those people? Yeah, and it's like that. That was one of the things that has crossed my mind in looking at this. Mm-hmm. That like, it's tough for me to say what should be done. I'm yeah. not a politician, you know, yeah. or anything like that. But it's a it's one of those things. Where it's like, all right, I, I do get the I do see the value in boycotting, obviously. Mm-hmm. But those actions have reactions, right? And like. It was one thing to boycott like white owned businesses. It's another thing to boycott and then strip jobs away from like a lot of hardworking, mm-hmm. like underserviced communities. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure if it's the most constructive way to influence policy, but then at the same time, like you have to do something, right? Yeah. So it's it's tough for me to say specifically. It is very tough. <laughs> because I know a lot of people who have moved to Georgia for all the production that's out mm-hmm. there. Um, because, you know, L.A., there's some production here. New York, there's some there. But, like, there's so much in Georgia, like Louisiana, like that area is just booming. And mm-hmm. people have actually, you know, picked up and moved their families out there for all those jobs. So it is a, like, you know, flashy, high publicity way to draw attention to mm-hmm. the issue or, like, scare politicians into it. But I also, it does make me nervous because I feel like... They just won't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they won't. We don't want your liberal Hollywood people here. Exactly. Right. exactly. As a person who grew up in the South and <laughs> has been to Georgia many, many times, um, yeah, no, they won't. They they don't care. Mm-hmm. Like they they it they have one mindset and one mindset only, and it's like their way, and that's it. So it would be interesting to see what happens, and mm-hmm. I hope more people pick up and and move over into those parts to make it more diverse, more aware. Mm-hmm. Um, but now for those politicians, you know, it's the it's the fight now between the ideals that they want and the money that they're about to lose. Right. So mm-hmm. which one's going to tip the scales? Yeah. 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 But then, like, what I kind of foresee happening is something else is going to replace, like, the production side. Like, there's going to be another industry that probably replaces it. And, you know, the politicians will still get their money, but people who work in that industry, like, who are, um, like, gaffers or... You know, mm. behind the scenes, like they're not going to find any of those jobs no. in their in their area. So, yeah. also really hope those bills do not pass. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. yeah. First and foremost, yeah, yeah. 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 That's important that, issue. Yeah, that's the, the heart of the issue. Still, is like women's health. And that's yeah, yeah. reproductive rights. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So, what did you guys watch this week? I binged Bodyguard. Oh, with, oh, with yes. Game of Thrones alum Richard Madden. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Did you think it was his mom? Hit, sorry? There was like this whole thing because... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, was that an insult? <laughs> there, was like a whole, there was a whole thing because people were confused watching it because his Scottish accent is so strong that it, when he says mom, oh, it sounds like it's mom. Mo- it sounds like mom. <laughs> oh, when they started hooking up. Oh. <laughs> people were like, wait, was that his mom? <laughs> That's the lesson to the- watch every show with captions on because it is life-changing. Yeah, I did not watch that show without out the captain. <laughs> yeah. like, I try and like yeah. the first 30 seconds I'm just like I am lost. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to be that guy but I need him. Um, but no it was great. I thought it was just like going to be a run of the mill sort of thriller especially because of his image as, as being this like kind of Romeo sort of person. That's what I was expecting mm-hmm. and that was just not the show. And the great thing is that it kicks off with that where it like sets you up with this idea of him as being like a really kind of perfect, dreamy sort of guy. Mm-hmm. And then immediately after that just tears that image down mm-hmm. and really gets at the heart of like, I think, you know, PTSD and the lack of treatment that's there for a lot of soldiers who come out of that stuff mm-hmm. and just how they like are dealing with depression and how staying in like securities and stuff like that and like allows them to like use their training in a way to kind of mask what's going on yeah it was just like a really powerful show 
And yeah, but the, there's a lot of the mom stuff <laughs> as well. So it was just like fun to watch as well. Um, just a lot of twists and turns. I don't mean to go on a tangent, but I went into an Instagram poll earlier today around um, Lamar Odom <laughs> because I I didn't know he's like back and at it. I you know he's not the most important person to me, but he has a book out that's on the like New York Times bestseller list because he's like in recovery. He has a CBD uh, line, so, you know, good for him. But he's also, I was, like, kind of just scrolling through his Instagram, and he was being so candid about specifically the CBD and how it helps with his anxiety Mm -hmm. and his depression and how that leads to him poor decision-making. And I was like, wow, this is really cool to see because he had such a public, you know, situation happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To see him then come out the other side of it and be talking very candidly and turning it into a mental health journey, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is, I'm excited. I was like, very yeah. happy for him. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. this is so I cool. I watched his interview because they were talking about his book and in, in an interview, he, like, he's, because he's so open about it. Like, everyone knows Lamar Odom now because of his substance abuse problems but like it goes so much deeper than that mm-hmm. like we only heard about oh like he was doing heroin or you know they found him like ODing in a crack house or whatever but like there's so much more like it's been going on for a long long time in his life and like there's so much more like beyond the substance abuse that like affected why he made some of his choices and like mm-hmm. it's so important for someone like in his position specifically like he's a professional athlete like he's a black man in America like talking about those issues because they just don't like they're being talked about more and more now but like when you hear from someone who has had a successful career and like has hype has been hiding all this like the dark side is really eye-opening and i think important yeah i think it's just like it's like black people don't like to talk about mental health mm-hmm. you know it's like a huge problem and i think when everything happened with lamar odom Black people just all blamed it on the Kardashians. And yeah. it's like, that's like a really easy sort of scapegoat yeah. that doesn't really look at his overall history and like exactly. everything that he's experienced in his life. Yeah. And I think that, that that tendency for us to just like point the finger at other people or other things instead yeah. of like really looking inward at our own experiences and how that's affected us mm-hmm. is like, it's a dangerous one. And so I'm really grateful for Lamar Odom and also like Kid Cudi as well like being like two figures in the black community who are like really outspoken I watched um, I watched Vice this weekend Um, I wasn't planning on watching it I just kind of it's been a while but it was on Amazon Prime so Mm. so why not but I actually I didn't think I was gonna like it but I did like it it really reminded me of like I think Adam McKay I don't know if he said this ever, but I think he draws so much from Spike Lee. Mm. Like it's, they have very similar styles. Mm. This could have a very different interpretation. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Is he <laughs> taking it from Spike Lee? Yeah. <laughs> that's not like has he ever like said he's you know he's inspired by Spike Lee because mm. that's what it seems like. But <laughs> you know, um, Oscar award winning Spike Lee. That's right, award winning. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um, But yeah, I enjoyed the movie. It, it was. It's funny, <laughs> um, it, but it also like makes you mad because it just like shows how politicians and politics like is all. It's not about politics. Mm-hmm. Like it's about money and greed and mm-hmm. just like like Dick Cheney was not a politician. Like mm-hmm. that's not what he wanted to do. He just like figured or he was like, oh well, I can get people to do what I want them to do. So. I'll be VP. Like, he didn't want to be VP. And then he realized how he can influence George W. Bush to do whatever he wants him to do. So he's like, yeah, I'll be VP. Which is awful that that's how, you know, the system can work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the performances were amazing. I will say that. Yeah. Tyler Perry surprised me. I did not know he was in the movie. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's in it as Colin Powell. Oh. Mm-hmm. And he was great. Yeah. I just I do not like Tyler Perry. <laughs> I mean, like honestly, he's like just one of the worst to me. Just because like the whole Medea thing and just mm, that like I also do not support anything yeah, at all. Like no. this is like a fucking menstrual okay. show. Yeah. That you're like popularizing. Yeah. It's so frustrating for yeah. me. Because mm-hmm. it's like you could be so much more beneficial yeah. to this community mm-hmm. given the platform and like power that you have and instead you just mm-hmm. keep pumping out well, these that's, mammies that's why I'm surprised like why he keeps making those movies because he has a production company like he's an amazing writer like he he does a lot for the community yeah. and like in this industry but like he still keeps pumping out those movies that like don't need to get made that's why I was surprised seeing him in this movie because like he wasn't like he was still playing on a character but I was like 
him like actually acting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a problem in itself. That yeah. it is always shocking to see him not in like makeup yeah. and doing like playing this ridiculous stereotype mm-hmm. of a role. Yeah. Because they still make good money for for him, but it's always so interesting to see him branch off into like more dramatic. Like when he appeared in Gone Girl, I think that was. A, oh yeah, like he, when yeah. he was anytime he's in a dramatic role, more it's like is that Tyler Perry. <laughs> 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 yeah, you kind of know what he looks yeah. like, but you like you just always see him in the makeup, yeah. in the costumes. So you're like, there's some like. Himself. Like, does that not like suck his soul out to have to put that makeup on? Or, that's what like, I mean. I'm just. That's probably. Like it's gotta. <laughs> bug you that you're like because it's like i don't have i don't agree with like this idea that it's emasculating for men to dress up like women i don't care about that no it's just the fact that it's like such an obvious stereotype yeah is what bugs me and it's like how at this point in your career have you not just decided to like stop doing that well i think so from also from the trans community too like you know black trans women are some of the most you know, um, one of the most difficult identities to have from a sense of, like, opportunity, like, Mm -hmm. they are being killed all the time and never spoken about. So I just feel like it also just has to have repercussions of this stereotype of, like, a man in a dress, Mm -hmm. like, that kind of thing, that it just does not feel worth it. Like, any joke that could possibly Mm -hmm. come out of it, any humor, any money made out of it, just feels like the repercussions of it could not, at this point be worth it. Yeah. But. That's why it's like, do you just do a lot of stuff for the community because you feel a slight bit of guilt about this bullshit project that you keep doing to make money? That is fair. It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, he's a complicated figure. <laughs> Very complicated. Not for me, but... <laughs> no. For himself. And <laughs> a production, too. Yeah. You know, he was mm-hmm. instrumental in that because he has he's his whole studio there. there. Yeah. He can tell Perry... Um, someone bought a billboard in Atlanta, I believe, and basically Natchez bought a billboard, put her headshot up there, and was like, Mr. Perry, like, hire me, blah, 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 like, put her IMDb page on there, and he saw it, and he posted a picture of that on his Facebook and was like, don't do this, like, <laughs> I have open auditions, like, anyone could come in, just, like, come into my office, but, like, don't spend your money putting billboards up, like, to get my attention, which, you know, I thought was cool, but I was also like, but they are they did get your attention like not yeah. everyone is seeing this yeah. you're blasting this on your Facebook page with millions of followers so it worked out for her <laughs> she got what she needed I mostly just watched nature documentaries this week <laughs> so I would just recommend them because they're great <laughs> so if you're looking for something more a lighter fair nature documentary the BBC Africa it's like planet earth wait no 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 what's the one the Netflix one our planet our, our planet, planet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Distinction. <laughs> <laughs> like the, yes, like Planet Oprah, Mary, yeah. David Attenborough. Yeah, Planet Earth, yeah. not too depressing. Not our planet. Our planet. Very depressing. <laughs> Important. Very depressing. Yeah. But Africa, it's like that more style of Planet Earth, but then they just put all the depressing stuff in the last episode. Mm. So that's good. Mm. <laughs> but After they lock you in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's like Planet Earth, but all just Africa, and it's just incredible yeah. I love nature yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of like yeah. social things this week and then mm-hmm. when I would come home I'd be like to decompress I was like I just want to watch these crazy <laughs> crickets that eat baby birds what? it's wild I'm in I they, <laughs> they shoot out their stinky blood into the bird's eyes Ooh, you gotta watch it. I forgot, but I actually watched Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Did anyone else watch that? I did. I, I've tried to forget that I watched it, but I did watch it. it was, <laughs> um, God, no. <laughs> Sorry, you go I thought on. it was, no, I thought, I, I've liked the other seasons better. I didn't like the second episode. I liked the first one. Though, mm-hmm. did you like the first episode? The first one, I is the one I enjoyed the most. Yeah, I would say I, it, but I think it set the stage for me in terms of like, this season's gonna introduce a lot of heavy concepts that mm-hmm. it won't really see through like it used to. Mm-hmm. But I think the first episode, it feels he was the closest to previous seasons. Yes, yeah. I agree. I yeah, I think the other two were like, yeah, that could definitely happen now. Like. It, not, there was nothing like too provocative about mm-hmm. it or like too out there of an idea basically this guy just was like mad at like a CEO of a social media company because he his life was being like absorbed by the social media platform but like 
that's all of us. Yeah. <laughs> it is such a weird concept for a show. It's like I feel like there's like a like an old man in the writing room who was just like, hey, pesky social yeah. media <laughs> platforms. It was bizarre. Like I would have been more interested in the story if it focused on that guy and his wife or his mm-hmm. fiance and like that. Mm-hmm. side of things while like the CEO like as he's like losing control of the company right. that would have felt more black mirrorish as opposed yeah. to it's literally just the guy complaining about social media for an hour it was really bizarre I was yeah I was like waiting for more to happen or like more to come out of it mm-hmm. but yeah I feel like there is just like too realistic and like that's why it's kind of like meh like it's not yeah. like thought provoking or like you're like oh my god like this could be our future one day but you're just like well, we live in this yeah. <laughs> this is now yeah. yeah that makes me think about the new Jim Jarmusch movie Don't Die but cause it seems like it's gonna have a lot of that themes as well you know, people are gravitating towards what they did, and there's, like, phone zombies yeah. and stuff like that. So I was just like, is, is mm. it just going to be more of that? Of, like, mm, the war- everyone's just zombies yeah. now. Yeah. It's like, like that's not an interesting thing to say. I'm done. We're we're over it. We're over it. It still looks like it's gonna be like a funny movie, but I'm also, it's a little tiring of a narrative about millennials being like, we're just all on our phones and because we're just like too far into technological advancement. Where like, because I'm a firm believer that entertainment has advanced technology. Like with you think of early sci-fi, like you see Mm -hmm. all these like machines, but like they're actually reality. So Mm -hmm. like I I like to think that you know, sci-fi inspired technology and, like, what we can kind of pursue towards. Mm -hmm. But we've come to a point where it's, like, everything just, like, seems so feasible and, like, we have all of it, like, all the technology, (laughs) like... It's I'm still waiting for a hoverboard on the back. <laughs> but like they have, real they hover. have like a something like they, something like that. Like they have prototypes. Like it can be done. Of course. So it's like. Well, what's, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> I like, watched The Matrix recently, mm-hmm. and they're like talking about the rise of AI and stuff. That's and I'm right. like, it's so weird 20 yeah. years later, where it's like, this is what's happening. Yeah. And it doesn't look like anything like yeah. this. <laughs> it's always interesting when you see like movies from, like, Blade Runner is a good example because yeah. the original Blade Runner is set in. 2019, yeah, right. <laughs> which is like, this is not what the world looks like right now, but it's like, it was interesting, that's what they thought. Yeah. <laughs> then, like, this is, this is where that time period has come, but it's like, also how technology itself has, you can, you can never chart where it's going to go, mm-hmm. just because at some point anything could just change and it goes like a different path. Yeah. Because like a lot of the old movies who picture technology in the future is just using technology now and then what's the analogous version of it in the future. So right. it's like 1980s like big boxy CRT screens and mm-hmm. stuff but just like you know let's just make it green. Or yeah. something. <laughs> like, but no one no one, no one, one would have thought of okay everything's on this little supercomputer mm-hmm. in your hand right now as opposed to I'm just know. thinking of like uh, all the, like spy movies where they have like the little get like the watch gadgets yeah. and it's, like they're always like talking to their watches and like everyone's doing watches now like take calls on their wrists. The eighties really thought that like there'd be a lot of wearable yes. devices <laughs> and giant everything just get bigger and bigger. Yeah. <laughs> and then so. hover cars and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to be an old person. Just now. Uh, I think it's my destiny. But also, from a standpoint of, I can't wait to be an old person who is, like, listening to the music that I listen to now, nostalgically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, That's really exciting for me. So, like, that's, like, my favorite memes where it's like, Grandma, like, what did you listen to when you were young? And it's like, DMX. <laughs> <laughs> Right? It's my favorite song. <laughs> like, I want to be rocking out to Lizzo when I'm 80. Yes. Like that's, and the, but it also just makes me so interested. In, like, what is going to happen with music? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. how far can we go? <laughs> well, and that's why I told you guys about my obsession for Lil Nas X. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Because one. I don't know why I'm obsessed with that song. I think just because... Yeah, same. I'm just, like, obsessed with it. Like, when it comes out, I'm just like, this song is so good. And, like, I love his whole look. Like, his whole thing. Like, he's, like, you know... Authentic. He's a cowboy. Cowboy. Because people are, like... Their eyes are open with this whole, like, new genre of music. But, like, that's a real thing. Like, like in Georgia, like, in the South, because there's so many people who live in, like, different cultures and, like, in different worlds, like, where, like, country is super prevalent, but, like, they also listen to, like, hip-hop mm-hmm. or, like, and they have already, like, that, that already exists, like, the combination of, like, hip-hop and country and, like, all these different genres, but it's just not as big, and Lil Nas X, like, kind of brought it, it's not as heavy as, like, <laughs> with some of the, uh, the smaller communities, you know, make, but, like, 
is bringing that to light. Like that's I think that's where we're more moving towards. It's like just combining different genres that have been like separated in the past because everything's getting so intertwined and so meshed together yeah. in in culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish kind of paved the way with country <laughs> rock. <so. laughs> N- Nelly did a little bit too. Nelly yeah, Nelly did a little bit. Yeah, I, I I agree. I don't know what it was. <laughs> the first time I heard the song, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, and then like. There was like one moment where what does he say? I can't remember the lyrics, but it's just doing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I'm just like, wow, like, yeah, this is so strange, and I love everything about yeah. it. Like, I want more, so much more from this guy. Yeah, and it was so refreshing. Where it's like, you know, it's like hip hop, it's country, but like the theme and like the lyrics are just so they're so funny because he's like, my life is a movie like bull riding and booty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wranglers on. That's and, like, right. <laughs> he's really painting a picture. You know, yeah. very clear. <laughs> music video I love the music video I don't know yeah. if you guys have seen it, I haven't seen it. but I've basically seen it. it starts off in like a western mm-hmm. he goes into like a little hole in the ground and gets sucked into like 2019 and he's like it looks like a like a inner city street yeah. and he's on he's like with his cowboy gear on like he's on a horse like riding down the street and people are just like what the fuck <laughs> but it's like that's exactly like what is happening in that song it's like these these two things that like you don't think belong together like coming together. That is something that I think is really cool about the age of social media of like the democracy of like something can just blow up immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I'm also really it makes me resentful of the things that don't blow up yeah. immediately. Oh, yeah. Like Lizzo. I'm going to keep talking about it. I've been like screaming her name for three years and it's so wild. I'm so excited for any success that she gets. Yeah. Like it makes me yeah, I am so excited for her and like but I still, like, do not understand why it took this long. <laughs> it just, it blows my mind. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that. I had no clue mm-hmm. until I heard this album. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is really good. Yeah. She's a new artist. It's like, like, I just heard this for the first time on the radio, like, organically, like, in my car. And I've never been more pumped about anything in my entire life. I, like, blared it the loudest ever. I've, like, never felt more pure joy. But it's also, like, I was sending that video to almost everyone I know two years ago when it came out. And they feel like, <laughs> Oh, that's cute. Mm. That's cute. Yeah. yeah. And now they're like, wow, this is a great song. I was uh-huh. like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> like, Just listen to me. Yeah. Everyone listen to Lizzo. <laughs> this is great. And go see her live. She's incredible. I, I do want to try and go see MIB this weekend. I know it's gotten terrible reviews. (laughs) I don't expect it to be a great movie, but I just need to watch Tessa Thompson in Suits all the time. time. It's like, regardless of the quality of the movie, I don't really care. I just want to support it because it shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't still be a novelty that like, oh, it's a woman headlining Mm -hmm. a blockbuster, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, that should be a much more common thing and it seems like it won't be a common thing unless these movies keep, Yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So, for like, we need more Wonder Womans and Captain Marvels and, you know, and now with it being a woman of color, it's like, that's even, you know, Mm -hmm. more important that, that a movie like that works. So, I, I don't really care. It's also like I haven't liked the Men in Black movies since the first one anyway. So that's fine. <laughs> I honestly like can't remember them that well. Like I I can only I, remember the first one. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's all I remember. I'm like, yeah, I like it. Well, my son is obsessed with all three of them oh. so far. So he is very interested in seeing um this newer yeah. version with Valkyrie and Thor. With Valkyrie and Thor. Yeah. There's like a lot of Thor references in it. It looks like from the trailer. That's what, yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. So they really play that up. (laughs) I'm there for that. (laughs) I also, yeah, I do love Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Can't, can't lie. I appreciate that he insisted on overweight Thor staying overweight and like not getting super ripped again before, Mm. you know, his final battle and stuff like that. Can we just like not have fat suits anymore? That too. I just like, as a fat person who would like, let's destigmatize fatness. Mm -hmm. And it was just like the, seeing it played as a joke and like seeing everyone laugh in the theater was like, Oh, this is disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good point. Yeah. It's, like, it's, like, it's just like pushing that stereotype of like, oh, because like, he's like, has PTSD, like he's yeah. depressed, like that, like, oh, now he's just eating his like feelings and 
Like, right. just pushing that kind of, like, stereotype. Like, yeah. that's why. That's, like, people look at me and think that I'm, like, lazy right. and depressed. And I'm just like, nah. I mean, sometimes. But, like, so are you sometimes. Right. Yeah. I think it I think it works for his, his character and what they're doing. For, I just don't like how they they made it into a joke. And everyone, right. Right. like, not, not even just, like, outside laughing in the, the audience. Mm-hmm. But the people in the movie are making fun of him for it yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, like I they, think. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, if they, like, if they kept it on, like, a serious route because of the, mm-hmm. of just who he is like he's a viking he's like he's always been ahead right. of this for the longest time yeah so like it makes sense that once like if he feels like he's failed he's just not he's not gonna do anything else but just mm-hmm. like he's just gonna eat everything and then drink all that beer right but then like leave it at that mm-hmm. and not make you know all the jokes about you know what's running in your veins cheese whiz or yeah yeah go eat a salad yeah. you know like but yeah it could have i don't care that like that's the direction they took the character but like yeah the language around it yeah. everything around it was just like this mm-hmm. is obnoxious. Yeah. Like, I think it makes sense for someone like Rocket to make fun because he's like an insecure little dick. Right. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, that should be a part of that story. That, like, it's, you know, that this is a character yeah, who then, is. Yeah, but like, then, like, have somebody who's then being yeah. like, Rocket, you're being an asshole. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it works for him. But yeah, like, hearing your mom be like, eat a salad, like, come on. That's yeah. so <laughs> sad to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. how many little, you know, how many little kids out there growing up? are just being told like being put on these like crazy diets mm-hmm. by their parents or like just the talk around their bodies it's just like I'm just picturing all these little kids going to the theater and seeing that and then being like it's wrong to be fat mm-hmm. like it's yeah. you are wrong for being fat and like you need to change that about yourself right. yeah. and I was just like oh, it just disappointed me <laughs> and I think like that realm like fat phobia mm-hmm. and like that um, area of of you know, social consciousness is just not there. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not a concept that people can wrap their heads around. No. Yeah. That, that's, well. There's a long way to go with that in, in entertainment. A lot of shows, movies, like, they're, you know, trying to be, like, more inclusive, but it's always, like, it has to be, like, a character trope. It's, like, if they're if they're heavier, like, it's always something, like, that you, it has to be addressed, but, like, it yeah. doesn't have to be addressed. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's, who cares? Yeah. Like, even Chris Pratt not being in as good of a shape mm-hmm. for Guardians 2 was, like, a constant joke so right. yeah. yeah that's an interesting point it's like they have to highlight it and then for whatever reason it's like okay to make fun of it yeah, constantly yeah. <laughs> if you like intersplice that with any other like physical characteristic mm-hmm. everyone would be outraged yeah. so it's just yeah. like wild to me that that people can't like make that connection and yeah it's something I get in discussions about all the time mm-hmm. and you know just like centering wellness and like medical well-being only on like your weight and physical appearance mm-hmm. is damaging yeah so damaging <laughs> yeah I, i'd like the idea though that chris hemsworth had as far as like the issue for him is a mental one it's like not right. a physical one and i do yeah, think right. but yes. it's like that needs to be reflected in the narrative too mm-hmm. right exactly. like a lot better so yeah same thing it's like somebody who's having like a PSE or like having a panic attack like slapping them out of it is not it's not yeah. going to handle it. Yeah. It's not effective. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there are people who are, you know, that that's probably very triggering for yeah. to be like, that's not how I would ever want to be treated or be able mm-hmm. to get out of a panic attack by being slapped out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had Sorry. panic attacks before, and it's definitely, that that's works. not helpful. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Not a solution no. <laughs> for the problem. Yeah, I think it was just, it was a very problematic storyline. Yeah. It was like yeah. an interesting way to take it. And and it was just mishandled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it, it's interesting. I'm interested to see how, uh, with, like, all this mental health, like, awareness and, like, people talking about it and being open about it, like, how, uh, you know, it, it is addressed in entertainment, but it's always, like, showed in the same way, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, if, like, depression or anxiety, like, there's only one way that it's it's experienced. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how that's going to change in entertainment with more people just talking about their own experiences. Like, everyone deals with like similar issues but like in such different ways and it's like comes in all shapes and sizes like it comes in all different kinds of reactions and I had someone know. once tell me I, ju- I just had a stroke of genius of who you who would play you in like a rom-com about you or like whatever mm-hmm. it would be 80 bracket and I was just like 
Yes, because she's the only fat, white, like, brown-haired person that you have ever seen on screen. And don't get me wrong, I fucking love A.D. Bryant, and I find that to be a compliment. But I'm also like, this is no stroke of genius. It's just literally the only person that even slightly reflects what I look like. Who else are they going to choose? Rebel Wilson? Right. She's blonde, so we can't have her. hair. That happens so much. Like, reviews or entertainment, like, there's a new actor or an actress who's you know, blowing up and they're being compared to someone. It's always someone who, like, looks like them. Right. Like, I feel like every new, like, uh, up-and-coming, like, uh, black actor is always like, oh, he's, like, just like Denzel or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's all, there's always, like, that one go-to. That every black actor is Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, is that just because, like, they have the same, like, skin tone? Yeah. <laughs> like, what else is similar? <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Like, nothing in their acting That's, style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have no idea how to wrap this up. This is our first one. So full disclosure, Rosie's been here the whole time. Oh, she is a her perfect podcast, podcast dog. dog. Yeah. Podcast dog. And I get to have her in my lap next time. <laughs> She's a emotional support animal. <laughs> she really is. Staring at Victor the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She wants to like very Victor. I do love this though. I feel like we could go for like 17 more hours. But that's why we're going to keep doing yeah, it every week. Yeah, every week. Thank you guys for doing this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And anyone for who listens. <laughs> for, for being our outlet. allowing us to, you know, talk about all these things that we clearly have a lot of opinions about. <laughs> well, good. They should be heard, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I agree. They should all be heard. Thank you for tuning in. The Just For Us podcast is produced by Bleakly, your source for minority nerd culture news. We've covered a wide range of topics today, from the Tracy Ellis Ross slash Daria spinoff, the real-life impact of When They See Us, and so much more. Make sure to check out Bleakly.com if you're interested in learning more about these topics and various others. Finally, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at JFU Podcasts to let us know if there's anything in entertainment that you want us to cover. We'll be back next week. Talk to you then. Bye.